Good morning, my name's Narell, and I'd like to share with you today's Bible readings. Uh, the first reading from the Bible is Psalm 121. Uh, you'll find that on page 543 if you're using the church's Bibles from up the back. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forever. And a second reading comes from Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, That's to be found on page 1069 from the Church Bible. So it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ed, uh, Senior Minister here at OEC. And uh, if you are new with us, uh, a very warm welcome. Can I echo Jeff's welcome to us? It is uh, just wonderful to see our church full, uh, the joy of gathering as men and women all ages together. And so hopefully you are encouraged. Now, a few little housekeeping as we get going. Uh, Firstly, can you grab out your magnet and put it beside you? Now, if you didn't get one, um, Katie and Ian are here. Uh, Put your hand up and uh, you will all need one. Um, So if you didn't get one, there's a couple around. Um, That would be great. Secondly, uh, well done this morning. We were a bit squeezy at the beginning and uh, we will work hard at making sure there's about 30 or 40 more chairs next week. Um, so but just please keep loving each other. It is totally fine if you want to leave a seat in between groups and that's all right. But uh, the front row is not allergic. Like, you can sit here. I rarely spit. Um, Danny is really lonely at the moment. So, like, it's, it's up to you, you know. Um, no one's going to force you. There you go. There's love right there. I'm done for the day. But, um, yeah, I know the back row seems fun, but it's not. So... Uh, um, please love each other and the wings are often got seats too. But um, we, we want this place to be comfortable for everyone. There will be seats for your friends next week. So don't think it's full. I can't. Of course there will be. We'll make sure there's seats. Uh, thirdly, it's a special day. Um, so we're not in our normal preaching program. We'll start back on Luke next week. Uh, today we're, we're stopping and thinking about the year ahead. Uh, so we're really just going to focus on those two verses in Hebrews. But we are looking ahead as God's people 
And so we've talked about two for two, how we're going to pray intentionally. Um, we've, we're, we're doing the same thing in kids' church and youth church this morning. Uh, and so we need to come before the Lord and ask him to help shape our year ahead. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for drawing us here this morning. We thank you for gathering us as men and women, young and old. We thank you for all that you have done for us. And now we pray that you would shape our year ahead. So may we listen to your word this morning. Please stop the devil from stopping us listen, uh, so that we may live joyfully as your people this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Olympic marathon tests the limit of human endurance. And it is even more challenging when you're in Mexico City, which is 800 metres above Mount Canopolis, 2,000 metres high. In 1968, that's where the Olympics were, and 18 of the 75 male athletes did not finish because they ran out of oxygen. But not John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania. He arrived as the reigning African champion, and he was a podium favourite. But at half distance, John Stephen fell over and badly hurt his knee. He had 20 kilometres to go. He was hurting and struggling to breathe, but quitting was not an option. And so he strapped his knee, he got up, and he kept running. More than an hour after the winner had entered the stadium... John Stephen limped in. It's there on the screen. The medals had been already given out. The people had already left the stadium, but John Stephen kept going and he finished the race dead last, but a hero. Asked why he kept going, he said this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. As we approach a new year of opportunities, of all our, all our commitments and lots of unknowns, God wants us to look up and see what life is all about. That if you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are in the race of your life. And that race began when you first put your trust in Jesus and it only finishes when you breathe your last breath and Jesus welcomes you into eternity and the new creation. The race of your life, it's not a 100-metre sprint. It's not a park run, which is over in 20 minutes or an hour, depending on who you are, right? And it's definitely not croissants and jogging, where we just eat pastries and wander along. No, no. It is a cross country marathon. It is rugged and hard and it requires determination through pain and frustration and hardship, never quitting, always keeping on, trusting Jesus with every step. The goal of the Christian race is not to overtake another Christian. It is not to look better than another Christian. The goal of the Christian race is just to finish. It is to not be like the Israelites who stopped running and missed out on the promised land in Exodus. 
Our theme for OEC in 2024 is run the race. God has marked out a 24-7 race path for each of us. Now, some of us in this room have just crossed over the starting line. Other of us are about a third of the way in. Some of us are right near the end of the race. You know what Jesus says? Keep running. Now, some of us are in the groove. We're loving Jesus. Things are great. Some of us are finding it really hard. Just getting here this morning was a struggle. Some of us are trying to run two races at the same time. We're trying to get heaven on earth and try and get to heaven with God. Can I just say that's impossible? One of those races will win. But whether you're 12 or 90, God calls you to run the race of faith with his help. And so in Hebrews this morning, God has four running tips for us. Four actions that are essential if you and me are going to run the race with endurance all the way to the end. So number one, discard baggage. We all know the start of the 100 metres. Usain Bolt, right? What does he do? He takes off his jacket. He takes off his earphones. He takes off his trackie. He takes off everything. It's the same for Christian. We cast aside everything that hinders our running. There is a good reason, which has now been thankfully replaced by Lycra, that the original Olympians in ancient Greece ran with no clothes. <laughs> all of us have baggage. All of us have habits that are hindering us from running the Christian race well. I want you to think about your hobbies. Your hobbies might be gardening or golf. It might be your hobby farm. It might be the gym. It might be your kid's sport and all of their kid's sport. It might be video games or it might be opportunities. Things like I'm going to take extra days of work this year or I'm going to take a promotion or I'm going to get my kid in a rep team. All of those are good and neutral parts of life that can stop you and your children running the race. They can stop you gathering with God's people. They can get in the way of serving God or they can even become your God. And they can maybe make running the race impossible. If you are serious about running well and finishing, you will listen to the Bible and identify and discard the things that are hindering you. This is pilot Nate Saint. He flew Jim Elliott and those brave missionaries into Ecuador and other remote places to share Jesus. This is what he said. When our mission bought the plane, it had nice soft seats weighing four kilograms each. We immediately replaced them with lighter seats so we could take more food and resources. Lots of things in life are like that. They feel nice and look nice, but they don't help us get the job done. They hold us back. Brothers and sisters, what have you said no to in 2024 to ensure that you're running well? We're not good at that, are we? Because 
many of us keep saying yes to more work, more kids' activities, more hobbies, and we're finding our quiet times are getting shorter and more stale. We're becoming a one-in-two or one-in-three church attender, and we've got no time to say, yes, I will serve someone with the Bible in discipleship ministry. Are you trying to run the race carrying kettlebells? That's great for strength training, but it is deadly for the marathon. If you're trying to run the race well, you need to lay aside the hindrances and no one can do it for you. I can't do it for you. Your growth group leader can't do it for you. Only you can do it. Because those who want to run the race of trusting Jesus well will take action. Secondly, untangle sin. A couple of years ago, my mum's direct neighbour decided to plant an English ivy plant. It was to cover up mum's big rendered white wall, which was outside my neighbour's kitchen. And it spread like hair lice in term one, right? Like it was just, it went everywhere. Mum woke up one day and saw it going through the ventilation gaps, coming out the PowerPoint and all over her ornamental fireplace. It's gross. Sin's like that. Sin is when we say no to God and yes to something he doesn't like. And the devil's great lie is that sin is harmless and it is no danger. But the truth is that from January 1 this year, sin has been growing everywhere. And as a Christian, we are absolutely forgiven of sin, but we are not free of sin. It's like a loose garment that will trip us up. It'll knock us off course. And when it's left there, it will harden our hearts. We get bitter and cranky. Spiritual gardening is essential for running the Christian race well. Spiritual gardening is intensely tearing off the sin and throwing it in Jesus' tomb. And that's the obvious sins, but it's also the small ones. Because in Western Christianity, we so often tolerate invisible sins. We say, surely God will be okay with just a little bit of jealousy, just a little bit of selfish ambition, just a little bit of foul language with the boys. God says ignoring sin is like trying to run a marathon with your shoelaces untied. It's important to note who this challenge is for. Do you see it there? It's for everyone. Let us lay aside, all of us. Don't we love to point out the sins of others at church at nine? Don't we love to see the, the sins in others around the world? Well, Jesus says, I want you to apply it to yourself. You see, when we don't do this, it has devastating effects. In the last 20 years, there's been a whole bunch of Christian men who are leaders in the church worldwide who have ignored their own sin and it has entangled them and they have become an embarrassment for the gospel. I want you to know it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how many ministries you've led at OEC. It doesn't matter 
your past victories over terrible sin. We must all be ruthless with personal sin or we will stop running the race. Today is a great chance to untangle ourselves. This morning, I sat down in my quiet time and I wrote down the sins I tolerate in my life. They're in my red book on my desk. You will never see them, but the Lord did. I repented of them. I asked the Lord for forgiveness and I said, Lord, please help me change. Untangle these sins because I don't want to run with untied shoelaces. Will you do the same today? if you want to run well. Number three, look to others. Well, my brother-in-law runs ultra marathons for fun. I can't comment on that, really. During a 100-kilometre race last year, he shared how lonely it was on the track. His body was breaking down and he'd hit that wall of exhaustion. And what uplifted him was not just his family that were there every 20 kilometres, that absolutely did, but what really kept him going was seeing other runners keeping going. That's the picture in verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us. Now, this verse often gets taught backwards. Can I say there is not a stadium of Christians watching you race? and cheering you on. That is not what's happening. Those who have made it to heaven are thoroughly enjoying Jesus. They are not looking at you as you stumble. The focus is us looking at them, at those who have run the race before us. And Hebrews 11, the chapter before this, is a portrait gallery of men and women who ran with endurance all the way to the end. They ran with testing, Abraham. They ran being abused, Moses. They ran with sickness, suffering, doubt and confusion. And they all failed miserably. The Christian faith is a history of people who failed miserably and they kept going. They didn't stop running. They repented and sought God's mercy. They ran by faith, trusting that God would reward them. And their lives are a testimony to us that God is worth trusting and keeping running towards. We run our own race, but we don't run alone. Other runners help us keep going. And that is why turning up to growth group every week is so important for you and me, because we get to run with other Christians, older Christians, younger Christians. We get to sit under God's word and trust God together. We get, to, we get help when our blind spots and our shoelaces are undone and then we get to help people get up when they're stopped and then we get a hand to get going when we are struggling. As we run our race, we're inspired by others. But they often disappoint us, including everyone in Hebrews 11. Then we add life's challenges, then we add our sin battles, and the race can feel impossible. And that is why step four is the most important. 
because the impossible is made possible because of the ultimate divine resource. Jesus supplies us with everything we need to keep running to the end. And that is why the Christian untangles from sin, gets rid of hindrances, looks to others, but ultimately with two eyes, we look at Jesus. See verse 1b, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We see four things, don't we? Firstly, Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. He is the first one down the path and he shows us the way. Never think faith is an internal feeling. No, no, faith is trusting God at his word every step of the race. As you go downhill, as you go uphill, just like Jesus. He's the pioneer, the forerunner. Secondly, Jesus is the perfecter of faith. Now, the idea here is not that Jesus had perfect faith. It is that Jesus brings faith to a successful conclusion. So the point of trusting God, Jesus concludes it successfully. And what's the purpose of faith? Salvation, eternal life with God. You see, the Bible is clear. If we, are trust, if we trust ourselves, we'll never be saved. If we trust Old Testament heroes, you'll never be saved. If you trust saints, you'll never be saved. If you trust modern people, you'll be disappointed. But trusting Jesus is the path to salvation because the eternal Son of God came down into our world. He shared our flesh and blood he always trusted God. He was tested but never sinned, unlike Adam and Israel and you. And he died on the cross instead of us. And when he did that, he qualified us for heaven and enabled us to come with him into his glory. The Bible is so simple. Everyone who trusts Jesus as Lord and Saviour till the end will enter heaven. Thirdly, we see that he achieved salvation for us by running with endurance. Your life may be very hard. Jesus endured the cross. He endured all that judgment. Not my will, but yours. And as he contemplated the cross, he took up the scales and on one hand, he put the shame of the cross, the embarrassment and the horror of the cross. And on the other hand, the weight of eternal glory. And he saw there was no comparison. You see, whatever shame and suffering we may face, he has already endured it. And finally, now we see Jesus as he presently is. He's not on a cross Never have a picture of Jesus on the cross. No, no, Jesus is off the cross, out of the tomb. He is now sitting enthroned at God's right hand as ruler of heaven and earth. 
You see, nothing can stop Jesus' plans. He is our great high priest who is able and willing to drench us in his mercy and grace each day. Remember Psalm 121? Where do we look for help? Our eyes go to the Lord. Where is the Lord? Jesus at God's right hand, our ever-present help in our race home. John Newton, Amazing Grace writer, he said this, Every step along the race of life is a battle for the Christian to keep his two or her two eyes fixed on Christ. You see, tomorrow morning, you'll be tempted to look left and right. If you do that, you will drive your life in that direction. You'll be tempted to look backwards. You'll trip over. Christians, we look to the finishing tape. We look to the one holding the crown. And every time we want to quit, we see him there. We race our life with our eyes fixed on King Jesus. Now, there'll be some here at church at nine this morning who are yet to start the race. You are so welcome to join us as our kind of bumbling family that we are. And you are considering if Jesus is worth trusting. Well, as a fellow human to you, I've been following Jesus running the race for over 20 years. And it's hard. But I don't want to be anywhere else. Those sitting next to you this morning follow Jesus because he alone deals with our failure. And he is the best way to live life. And he gives Christians absolute assurance that when they die, they'll be raised to life in a new creation. If you've got that urge to explore more, simply Christianity is the place to go. Ask your friend to go with you, explore this Jesus, because he is worth starting a race and following for your life. When Hebrews was written, there was the ancient Olympics. Do you know the original Olympians, they had to sign an oath to compete in the games, like a contract. One of the oaths was that they would train for 10 successive months before they would be allowed to compete. Why? So when it got hard, they wouldn't give up. If you're a Christian, let's run the race with endurance in 2024. It's not a fun run. The race takes commitment. And the Lord Jesus, he endured the cross and opposition for us. And that means you can endure a stitch. You can endure an elbow in the back, can't you, at school or at work. You can endure that. You can get through that. And yes, work may be hard and church may be hard and family may be hard, but you keep running. You keep running to the end. I want to, re- I want to quote, re-quote John Mark from the beginning. Jesus did not save me to start a race. He saved me and helps me to finish the race. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus. Help us to run our race with our eyes fixed on him. Amen.